This is the first episode of the Ask Dad Labs podcast. It was recorded on February 18th, 2021. It's simple. You ask questions and dads answer. When we need actual answers, we find the experts. Our starting panel is made up of longtime friends. Clay is one of the founders of Dad Labs. He's in Austin, Texas, and has one in high school, one in college, and one out sailing the seas, literally. Nick is in Louisville, Kentucky, and has kids who are 6 and 13. And I'm Ben, I'm south of Detroit, and my kids are 11 and soon to be 13. And we'll have a fancier introduction in the next episode. Oh, hey guys, you know, you were talking about going to the grocery store. So um, I got this tattoo. I just got this tattoo the other day because I kept losing my Kroger card. And I kept, you know, you have to get it out and show that thing and I, I can't find it. So I had it tattooed on my wrist right above my watch. So I, I you know, stick my arm out there and the, the cashier, they're always looking at me now. And they're like, what the hell are you doing? And uh, then I redeemed myself. Oh, boy. I'm, I'm suddenly uh, regretting some choices about <laughs> being Just part now. of Had me going the first half, not going to lie. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I'll tell you, it's convenient. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got some questions. All right. And the, the first the first one's not so much a question as just sort of a situation that we're in. And uh, I think a lot of people have questions for how our families survive through this. So Clay's in Texas, and there's a lot of news about Texas right now. And it's, it's, uh, it's pretty dire at times. Hopefully by, uh, by Sunday, I think we'll be, we'll be flipping on the other side and we'll, we'll see what the destruction's like. Um, but families are definitely struggling. So in doing this, I keep thinking, what should we have for emergency preparedness? And, and then how much, how much have you guys done for your families? Well, it's been, it's been pretty crazy in Texas and it's been a, a huge reminder that a little bit of preparedness can really help a ton. And my family, I've been a bit of a prepper, I have to confess, not like a doomsday prepper, but I think about this kind of stuff. And um, they always make fun of me because my, my um, doomsday strategy has always been what you really want is vodka and bullets. And because really, when the end comes, you want fungible, tradable uh, items because the, when, the, when the currency collapses, you want to go, so you want fifths of vodka and you want the most used caliber of bullet. And this is going to be the currency and you're going to say so you stockpile that. And they laugh at me and they say, oh, this all your doomsday prep stuff. Is, and really, that's that's I'm just joking. But um, oh, I was going to ask you it. what the, the most common uh, caliber is. I, I don't even know. Oh. Probably nine millimeters. I don't, I don't really care. <laughs> I'm not a gun guy, so I don't really care. Uh, but that, but I've always said that's, that's going to be what the economy is based on, you know? So if you've got, you know, Tito's, you know, and you've got some nine mil, you can trade for what you need. Um, but the real, <laughs> the real, you know, when, the, when, it, when something happens like this happened here in, in Texas, you know, you do, I do think there has to be some, uh, uh, preparation. Mine is I do have a generator. I've got a gas generator. I keep 10 gallons of fuel. I keep 10 or 15 gallons of fresh water. 
um, I've got a bucket of like Costco disaster food. I don't oh, know boy. if you've seen these, but it's a five gallon. It looks like a Home Depot bucket and it's sealed and it's got, you know, and they say it's like a hundred meals. So it's like a hundred just add water. And I'm sure it's just the worst, worst food ever, but it, you know, it keeps for 15 years or so like that. And I've got a little, I've got a disaster uh, bag uh, too, not a go bag, but a like a disaster bag, and that's that's pretty much my that's pretty much my prepper. Well, we have um, a shit ton of candles all around the house that never get lit. I know we have a lighter in the junk drawer in the kitchen that will light, be able to light them all, and a couple of flashlights, and our phones are generally charged that's about the extent of it. Um, and I feel really, I, I know I should, if we were to be out of power in the winter for several days, we would likely leave and go stay at a friend's house, um, even North or somewhere you know, that someone that could, to, that could accommodate a family of four, um, or even a hotel. I mean, we, we just wouldn't be able to, um, stay here. We were out of power. I don't really, really remember why, but it was in the summer, probably seven, eight years ago. And we were out of without power for like four days. And it was like, you know, in June, it was hot and it was really weird. And we, my brother kept bringing us um, frozen gallon jugs and we would trade them out and put in the, uh, the cooler for food and for milk, mostly because I think Indy was like maybe two, three. So I guess it's been 10 years. Uh, Cause he was a baby. He was toddler at most. And I don't really remember why that was, but we weren't really prepared for that either, but it was a little easier in, in the summer because you were going to be uncomfortable with the heat, but you weren't going to die of hypothermia. So yeah, we're not prepared. We're well, really it's not. Not, you're not unprepared. I mean, the, the thing is you, one of the things that we saw here in Texas in the last three or four days is that uh, it can happen super fast. And I was talking to a friend of mine who's got kids one and four and he, the power went out on Sunday. It didn't come back until Wednesday. And, you know, he, they hadn't done a whole lot of prep. They didn't have a whole lot. They, they, they made it through. Um, but they live in a, like a, a hilly neighborhood and suddenly, you know, they don't have a four wheel drive vehicle and in their neighborhood, the, you know, the snow hit and then the ice hit and they couldn't leave. There was no option to go to the hotel. There was no option to go, you know, to the mother-in-law's house. And I couldn't even get in. Like I've got a generator that, you know, our power stayed on. I wanted to bring him, but I couldn't get into the neighborhood, you know? And uh, that's the scary thing is that things can happen pretty fast. And suddenly you don't have the resource of just getting in the car and, and going. So it's, you know, it's worth, it's worth thinking about what, what it would be like. And I'll say this, here's my one tip. The one thing that we didn't, that I didn't have was a, a source of heat that was safe. What was happening in Texas everywhere is people were turning on their gas stoves 
and people have been doing some really dangerous stuff, bringing grills and doors, trying to create some heat because, you know, it was, we've never seen this before, but it was 14 degrees. It was 10 degrees at night in Austin, Texas, and folks didn't have power and they had no source of heat that was safe and people died. And, you know, people were, I saw people hooking up, like trying to rig AC vents from their vehicles into their homes. And, you know, people just running their cars in their garages, doing lots of very dangerous shit. And so the one thing that I would do over is just, even if you live in a hot climate like Austin, Texas, you need to have a plan for what's the source of warmth in the house. You know, you've got fans, you can, you know how to cool. What's the source of warmth? And so we'll keep, you know, I've got a generator and I will now always have like at least some safe space heater that I can run off that generator in the house going forward. You know, I, I just taking inventory, I think in our, in our last move up here to Michigan from, from Indiana, I think we, we uncovered, we have something like six propane canisters. So we've got six propane tanks to run grills and all that sort of stuff. So I think we're set for a while. And we have two chest freezers full of stuff. We've got the kids, you know, they, they, we've got two boxes, two Sam's club boxes of Eggo waffles. So that'll get us a week. And, uh, you know, that's really what you need. Yeah. We've got, uh, the boys wanted, uh, pizza rolls. We, so we've got, we've got a whole box of Sam's club pizza rolls and, uh, they haven't touched them for two years. So we still got those. Well, actually, if, if we have a disaster like that and we have electricity, I guess. So not really much of a disaster. Like that, a friend of mine said, oh, and I lost power. And I was like, what did you do for, what did you do with all the food? Did all the food go bad? He's like, dude, it was like eight degrees outside. We just put the food out the door. Yeah. We didn't need a fridge. That's exactly it. The problem is in that temperature, so you haven't experienced this recently anyway, is that if you put your beer out in the snowbank when it's too cold, the beer, the bottle will actually, will, will crush, you know, they'll, it'll explode. And so you don't want to do that. Yeah. Keep your beer safe. Yeah. For real. Yeah. But my, but my, my vodka that I'm using. That'll be fine. End times, that's good. You can put that in the snow. That's all great. You, want. It's fine. you just want to be careful that somebody just walk that it doesn't walk off. You yeah. Do <laughs> you wore a location in the snow. That's right. We got all this noise going on. They're finally um, scraping our street out here. So it's very distracting. And that's why I keep muting. They're <laughs> running up and down the street and it's really loud. If you got one in, in Texas, there's no such thing as a snowplow. We don't have one. Yeah. Yeah. You guys don't even know what that is. Do you, you have you ever even seen one? I mean, so, I have, but yeah. I mean, you, you've been, you've been up, up North before. Up he's been, north. he's been skiing. Oh, not a skier. No. <laughs> uh, here in Michigan, you know, we're in a township, so we don't actually have streets get that get plowed. Our residential streets get buried. So, so we've got 10, 15 inches of snow compacted on our streets right now. And, and four-wheel vehicles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of four-wheel vehicles. Yeah. So that's good. All right. So the second thing, this is, this is just more for fun. Somebody just recently died from another gender reveal where an explosive went off and killed him in their gender reveal party. And of course, what it was just a year ago that the, the one of those forest fires in California was started from a gender reveal party. 
So what is, what's your take on gender reveals right now? To go to that level is really, really stupid. There's, I mean, I just don't get it. It's not having a kid greatest thing ever for me. It was not a big deal for me at all to reveal, make it a big surprise to reveal. It was more of a surprise to say, Hey, we're pregnant rather than it's a boy or a girl. Sure. Stick with the cakes and the balloons. Anything anything above that to me in my, you know, asinine dad unsolicited, well, solicited parenting advice, anything more than that is ridiculous. You know, I think this is this is not a Gen X thing, right? I'm 53. Like this was right. this is not really a thing. So, you know, my perspective is you should generally keep your gender covered. Just <laughs> gender, keep some stuff over your gender. And if you really feel like you need to reveal that to people, maybe just do that in private. Like maybe that's something you want to do. Or maybe a button. I don't know. I, I mean, we, I, I just don't, I, I don't get it. I just, yeah. I simply don't get it. Maybe we lack for things to celebrate or, you know, our culture has this need to create Instagrammable moments or something that will be on TikTok and be viral and that people want this kind of content to sort of frame and present their lives. You know, I, I would also say give yourself some room in case your kid doesn't end up being one gender or another. What if your kid, you know, doesn't identify with a gender that they are assigned? Or what if they don't have a, a really easily identifiable gender? All these are possible outcomes. And doing making some big deal in production of your kid's gender, you know, that, that, can, that can end up... I know it's a small percentage of people, but... And I'm not trying to be, you know... Captain Woke or whatever, but I, you know, that, that could happen. And that's like a practical thing you have to deal with, whether you're woke or not, you know, if, if you end up in that circumstance. Well, I had a friend who he was all excited about getting the, the gender, you know, revealed from the doctor. And so it happened. He didn't have a party or anything, but, but he was so excited about that. And I said, oh yeah, we're, we were pregnant at the same time. So, or my wife was anyway, I probably felt pregnant. He you were said, pregnant. <laughs> so it's he, good to be man. He says, "Oh, you know, there's plenty of surprises. So, so we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and get the gender, so we can make plan. We can plan. We can get the colors all set and all that." He said, "There's gonna be plenty of surprises." And then when the time came, uh, his wife had to have a C-section, and they scheduled it. And so he said, "Well, the time was a, wasn't a surprise anymore, and so all the surprises of that process were gone for their first kid." And the whole reason that he thought it was okay to that that he'd be good with the gender reveal uh, from the doctor was that uh, there were plenty of other surprises. And I'm sure down the road there are other surprises. You uh, we get surprised all the time. But I I, I don't know. I I don't. I I think like Clay was saying the uh, that tends to. I think it tends to put our kids in boxes before they're even born. Yeah. Well, I, you know, we knew I, <laughs> going to the ultrasound, which I highly recommend that every dad should be there for all those, you know, those fantastic uh, prenatal OBGYN visits. It's, it's an amazing experience. And we, I was there for all of the ultrasounds 
And for our boys, I didn't need the tech to identify the gear. I was like, I believe based on my personal experience <laughs> that that is a male child. <laughs> and so, you know, that was, you know, that was sort of the gender reveal. I didn't feel like, you know, that was something I needed to transmit too widely. Our daughter was shy. And so, you know, we didn't, we didn't really know until she was born. And that was a, a moment of, of, of real joy. Our, our first pregnancy was so troubled and we ended up with a preemie and neonatal intensive care and all that. And one of, you know, one of the many things that was just beautiful about our second child's birth was that we didn't know. And it was, uh, it was really a fabulous, magical kind of, kind of moment when she was born. Yeah. I didn't need that surprise. I mean, I, I mean, we had been trying for so long, even with the first and just that, that we were pregnant and I was having a kid was, it was a huge surprise. And like they, the tech acts asked us, do you want to know the gender? And we looked at each other and said, yeah. I mean, there was no question that we were going to find out um, even with both kids. And then, you know, with the girl who is six we have a seven year gap and I would not recommend less than a five year gap to anyone. Everyone plans for two or three years, seven, five to seven years, because the first kid is independent for the most part. You're not trying to corral a toddler while you're changing the diaper of the baby. Kid is sitting in front of a screen or playing with toys or whatever while you're dealing with the baby. It was Unbelievable. I was not expecting that. Did not plan on that. Tried for, for the two-year mark. Didn't make it. But the whole experience was just insane. Speaking of the C-sections, though, they wanted to schedule the C-section for the girl. And I was like, I know I don't really get a say because I'm a dude and it's good to be a man and I don't have to deal with any of that creepy, weird thing living in me stuff. But I was like, no, I don't want to schedule it. That's the one thing in their entire life the kid gets to choose. And that's their birthday. <laughs> and they're ready to come out. And they were like, well, okay. But if it gets to a certain point, we're going to, or if we start getting worried about something, we're going to have to schedule. I was like, okay, whatever date you think you need to schedule it, we're going to schedule it like three weeks later to give that extra gap of time to let the kid choose. And so we never made it to that point where they had to be, she still had C-sections both times, but they weren't scheduled. They, they were by their terms, emergency C-sections, but. Well, we, need to, we can do, a, we can do a whole segment on the proper spacing of children. Right. <laughs> <Wait, laughs> I think that's a, I I think that's a, a, that's a topic worth it. That. I, I will say, I will say that while gender reveals, I'm not sure that I, you know, maybe this is something uh, that's just newfangled on being a cranky old man, which seems to be my, maybe. it's the hat, but the, I think baby showers are legit. Like if you're young and you're getting, you're just getting started and there's all this gear and stuff you need, like have a baby, like celebrate this thing and allow the, the elders to bestow upon you, you know, people that are in different places in their lives, maybe, you know, have got a little bit more disposable income, like bring those folks in, have them, yeah. you know, have them pull resources. And so if you're going to 
you know, celebrate baby shower by all means. And don't be shy about asking for a little help when you're just starting out, you know, gender reveal with exploding things that, you know, hurt you, maybe not, you know, baby <laughs> shower where you play some dumb games and you know, yeah. people I mean, hug you and give you a crib. That's good. Baby showers helped us tremendously. And I don't think we didn't have to buy clothes for two years with either kid because people were like, Oh yeah, my, my daughter's four. Here's all of her newborn stuff. We, I mean, we got bags and boxes full of stuff oh, and yes. we still have some of them for a little bit older, like two to three that we're just waiting for somebody to be like, Oh yeah, my granddaughter or my daughter has a, I have a granddaughter who's like two and we're like, Oh, Yes, somebody to give this stuff away to, get rid of this box, um, all all that stuff. And you get the, like you said, the elders who know, no, that is not the stroller you want. You don't want that stroller. Here's why. You want this stroller. Here's why. I mean, dude, Dad Labs, you guys were, you guys sold me on lots of things. I still have the one fold-up stroller that I won from you guys. And it's still my favorite stroller. Well, it's and I'll still- tell you, you know, working working at the museum, we see wagons, and there is a whole new generation of wagons that have every gadget you can imagine. Hmm. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, we may have to take a look at some of these things down the road. So, so definitely. But let's let's move on to an actual listener question. All right. So this comes from Kyle and uh, he says, so he wants to know when to spring on things like organic food for your kids and when not to, he's mostly let the mom handle that, but it's partly because he hasn't done the research that he needs to do. And he's curious about what we think. So organic food, things like that. We are, are particularly the last year with the whole pandemic. And some people will scoff at this, but kids will eat when they're hungry and you just got to find that thing that they like. We are struggling to find more than hot dogs for <laughs> our daughter. They they do eat a lot of fruit, which I, I kind of justify letting them have the hot dogs because they eat fruit and yogurt and stuff. But things like that, let the mom handle it. If it's, <laughs> I mean, how important is it to you, you know? If it's not if it's not something that you're he says he hasn't done the research on it that he wants to do. Well, do you want to do the research on it? If you want to, by all means do it and be like, yeah, I mean and it, and then you need to have that conversation. If you know if you find out that yeah, they don't really need glucose-free pancakes, you know, have that conversation. Don't just say no, I'm not buying gluten-free pancakes anymore. You just got to communicate that. But if you're not that worried about it, why worry about, you know, that's one of those things. Food, as long as it, you know, I'm struggling with the 13 year old, you know, he eats a lot of junk food. He eats a lot of chips at various hours of the entire day and night. But again, he eats a lot of fruit, he eats a lot of yogurt. So I kind of, you know, we were, we were eating two meals a day that were made meals in the before times <laughs> now we might eat one meal together uh, each day um, or we all eat at the same time not necessarily together 
<laughs> but yeah, Kyle, don't worry about it. It's it, it, determine how important it is to you. Communicate that import if it's if it's important. Communicate that importance to your wife, and and do the research yourself or do it with her. But if it's not that important to you and she's fine with it, doing the research, by all means, let her do it. I should, at, at some point, I should probably disclose that I work for a nutritional supplement company. Oh yeah, and so <laughs> part of my part of the answer that I'm about to give uh, may, may seem tainted by that reality, but I won't, I won't make any specific product recommendations, but if you're, I, I would say, if you've got a kid and I think this, this really kind of is coming off what Nick just said, if you've got a kid that's eating a lot of fruits and vegetables, whether they're organic or not organic, you've already got a win on your hands. That if you've got, if you're able to convince a kid to eat a varied diet that includes, uh, you know, a couple of, of, uh, servings of fruits and vegetables every day you you're already kind of in the in a good territory the question about whether or not to do organic or non-organic there there are some studies out there that 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 indicate that the soil in which our our fruits and vegetables are grown is somewhat less productive than it was 20 or 30 years ago. So the foods that we think of as being really nutritious, a strawberry, for example, between the way that we've engineered our produce and the way that we're farming has resulted in a, in a decrease in nutrient density in uh, some of those fruits and vegetables. So if you're, if you're not, my, my recommendation is if you're not buying uh, organic fruits and vegetables, Maybe you want to think about um, supplementing. There are a lot of really good uh, kids gummy vitamins on the market. Um, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you could look That's at it as maybe a way to supplement um, if you're worried if your kid is either not eating a lot of fruits and vegetables or you're, you're not certain about the nutrient density. If you, you know, and there doesn't have to be a hard and fast rule. You can find those foods that where the organic version is not that much more expensive than, than uh, non-organic. And maybe you lean into that instead of buying all of one or the other. I think in general, if you're buying organic, you're likely to get um, a higher nutrient density. More of the good things that you're looking for from fruits and vegetables are likely to be present in, in organic products than in non-organic products. But you know what? I mean, like Nick said, you know, if the kid, you know, if your kid is getting food, <laughs> that's great. If, if, if they're healthy, getting some if, fruit and vegetables, great. If and and if you're if you're encouraging them to be adventuresome in food, it's really hard, but it's worth it. Keep putting things out there for them to try, and and you'll be in great shape. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to this from two perspectives. One is one is as a restaurant owner and a and a you know somewhat chefy guy, and then the second part is is as a, a guy who's involved with farm markets and stuff, and so the the chef side of it is, yeah, I mean it's all it's all about being creative and and having an interest in a variety of things, and so it's about you know if you go to the farm market and you can get those purple carrots and you can get the the yellow carrots and and it looks cool. Uh, generally, if it looks cool, it's, it's good nutritionally. And, and so just having that varied stuff and, and, and being creative because kids will, kids can pretty much eat whatever they want right now, you know, up to a certain age. And then 
the the choices they make, they can't burn everything off and they've got to learn how to make good choices. And the choices get made now, they may not have much effect right away, but they'll have an effect down the road. Uh, and then the other side is, is from a farm market perspective, you know, it's, it's really about, I, I've, I've always been an advocate of knowing your farmer. Um, we used to, we used to have a subscription when we lived in Fort Wayne, Indiana, had a subscription to a farm and we got our meat, we got our eggs, we got our produce, you know, we, we got a turkey and half a hog and a quarter of a steer and 20 chickens and, and all that, um, green beans, you know, that I'd can. And I got to know my farmer really, really well. And we still know them. We, um, we've, we haven't lived there in, in over 10 years now and, and we still know our farmer and I'd go back to buy that stuff if I could, but it's too far away right now. And I sort of miss that. I miss getting to know my farmer because I'm paying. Well, that's the dream, dude. I mean, that's the absolute dream right there. It is. And, it, and it's becoming more and more possible. Um, those farms are, you know, here I'm in Detroit or I'm in the Detroit area and we have urban farms that are right downtown. They're, you know, they're taking vacant lots and they're growing food and they're employing people um, in the inner city to grow that food. And so you've got, you've got guys who are ex-cons who can't do anything else and, and they've got them learning how to, how to take care of these plants and they're growing for restaurants and they're growing for, for consumers and it's great product and it's, and it's organic because they can sell it for more. And so we've got, you know, we're supporting a whole ecosystem um, that's more than just the environment. It's, it's the economy too. And so I, I really advocate for that as much as possible. So definitely, you know, if the better you get to know your food or at least your farmer, I think the better off you are. Yeah. I mean, nutrition. It, you know, if the pediatrician says, Hey, they look kind of, you know, your pediatrician will know if your kid is healthy. If your kid is having um, bowel problems, um, maybe they're eating some stuff that they shouldn't be, or they need some other supplement or something like that. I mean, if the kids are healthy, you know, my kid's going to turn into a hot dog. I, <laughs> but I, I can't, I, I lived on hot dogs for a really long time. As an adult, you know, this is in the last 10 years, there was a few years I lived on hot dogs. And then one day I was just like, I feel bad. And I had hot dogs that day. And I was like, I'm going to swear off hot dogs. I swore off hot dogs for a year. Oh, man. And that was tough for me because I was eating them like almost every day for lunch at work because they were easy. That I mean, the convenience factor for me was is, is a huge deal. I'm so glad they have applesauce in little packages, in little pouches. I am destroying the environment for convenience of a good food for my daughter. I mean, it's, it's, it's it, there is this very crazy back and forth. Those in packages, you could debate. Actually, those packages probably have less, you know, plastic in them than, than you know, it's not maybe, it's not quite a glass jar, but there, there are worse forms of packaging than... Although than they're, they're not receiving oh, yeah. glass anymore. But don't so. pay for it. it. I'm just being lazy. I should get the glass jar and scoop it out and put it in the bowl for her. But I love the fact that she can go get the thing herself. She can now open them by herself. I love those. I love those. You know, I, she, are you kidding me? My 19-year-old, I can't keep them in the... I buy them for her. She loves them. Yeah. There you go. It, it's nice. They're, they're getting to that point where they're both completely self-sufficient as far as, Oh, you're hungry. Go get you something to eat. 
you know, you go, Kyle, I think uh, you got our answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. So how did, how did you guys, uh, how'd you guys survive this storm? Everybody. Okay. We're still in the middle of hours or, or just at the end of hours. We've got three or four inches of snow on top of ice. We had a lot of ice last week. It sucks for me because shoulder surgery, I can't go and enjoy it and take the kids sledding. I can't even drive right now. It sucks. Um, but we haven't lost power. We, I mean, the kids are all in NTI, non-traditional instruction. You know, it wouldn't kill the district to give the kids a school day to let them go out and, and play. Uh, not that we can necessarily, but we're doing fine. We're good. We've had deli uh, groceries delivered. We don't normally do that. We've had them delivered a couple of times when you drive in, pick them up. We're good. We're cold, but we're good. Well, you know, you guys have heard about Texas and it's just been crazy. And we, we've been personally super lucky that the power stayed on. And, um, you know, we've had a few things. My wife's office had a, a water break and she got flooded out. But uh, we've been incredibly lucky given the conversations I've been having with friends about what they've been through with three days and small kids and no power. And uh, now we're on a, uh, you know, a boil water order in here in Austin, Texas, where we live. Um, it's been it's been a really hard after a year of pandemic to then launch into, you know, this kind of weather crisis and, a, you know, infrastructure collapse. I mean, I feel very taxed. I feel, you know, that I don't have as much resilience and, and you know, I've even gotten emotional a couple of times, you know, in ways that are just ridiculous. Like I'm upset about you know, these little things that I, I ordinarily would not, would not bother me. So, you know, we're, we're kind of getting through, uh, but it, I can tell that the resilience, you know, the, isn't this funny, the ability to laugh at it, embrace it. I just feel like I don't have that pliability anymore. Now I'm just kind of like grim, like we're going to get through this kind of mentality. That's uh, it's just very different from where I was a year ago. Yeah. I mean, if, if this only lasted for four hours, that would be funny. Uh, but days is that's tragic. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll tell you this. We got, um, I was going to make a plan to go down and see my mom. My mom's birthday was on Monday. Happy birthday, mom. And Happy birthday. I know she'll listen to this. She doesn't listen to my other podcast, but I know she'll listen to this one. Ben's mom, you raised a great man. You did a good job. You win. <laughs> well done. Well done. She went to a biker store and put on a leather jacket with purple, uh, purple fringe hanging down from it. I'm not sure if she bought it or not. So, so instead of going down there, cause that was when the storm came through the big, the big one. Um, I think we got, we got about 10 inches of snow out of it. We, I took the boys, the snow hadn't hit us yet. It was still hitting down in Columbus. So I took them up into Detroit. So we drove through Detroit. People are out ice skating. We've got this great ice skating rink in the middle of downtown where people are out ice skating and then took them to Belle Isle, which is an Island in the Detroit river. I live on an, on a, on an Island in the Detroit river. This one's up at the North end of the river and it's got, it's got some great stuff. And we went sh snowshoeing. So I, Long story short, I bought my, my wife some snowshoes because she'd asked for them forever. 
and we used them a few times, but they've been, just been moving with us and we've never really gotten a chance to use them. So I took the two pairs up with us, had to buy the boys boots on the way, found $25 boots, got them boots, size 11, and then, and then took them up. Oh we, we found that one set of one set of snowshoes uh, was still working. They, they'd crumbled a bit. And so Tristan, my little one, uh, you know, size 11, you know, almost six foot tall, uh, 11 year old, he took the snowshoes and almost walked to Canada. <laughs> Literally. Bye. So Bye. we've got, we've got photos of him. He, he went out and took a selfie with him in, in Windsor, Canada, uh, Windsor, Ontario out there. And Crazy. it was just so much fun. <laughs> and so we found a new sport for those kids and, uh, I'm really happy about it. So snowshoeing it's coming back it is it is <laughs> even in texas it's growing in popularity that's right that's right there's going to be a run on them you can't get them from amazon anymore right <laughs> this has been ask dad labs thank you to clay and nick all our families and everyone who made dad labs what it is this being our pilot episode we're working on the format and equipment but since you liked it after all you didn't stop listening Subscribe in your podcast player and YouTube and like and follow Dad Labs in all the social medias. Links will be down below. Send your questions through the social media for now, but have a great week and we'll see you in the next episode.